that walk, that walk, that walk. Keep rolling, 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 rolling. Keep rolling, 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 rolling. Keep rolling, rolling. This is Walk and Roll Live. This is Walk and Roll Live. A podcast dedicated to the disabled community, sharing stories of courage and triumph, joy and discovery, and everyday successes and challenges. Now, here are your hosts, Doug Vincent and Eric Aguilar. Hello and welcome back to Walk and Roll Live. I am Doug Vincent. I don't know where Eric is. He hasn't shown up, but that's all right. Uh, We'll find out and we'll let you know next week. But I will continue on my own. Uh, My name again, Doug. I'm a polio survivor, crutch user for years and transitioned into a wheelchair user over the past 20 years. And uh, this is the part of the program where we usually... Kind of let uh, you know what we did over the last week. Hope you had a good week. Mine was uh, pretty low-key. Did a couple of board meetings this past week. I volunteer for Rolling Start, which is an independent living center here in our area, which helps people with the disability, uh, with jobs, um, housing, advocacy, assistive technology, which can be anything from DME to uh, like programs, that are, you know, apps that are on devices to help them with hearing or blindness or things like that. Uh, You name it, we do that and a number of other services that we do. And I also volunteer for Volunteers for Veterans Foundation, which uh, we help, it's kind of right there in the name, we help veterans in our area that need help. And uh, there's, uh, we did a board meeting this week. We only do uh, one a year, which is nice but we just kind of go over where we spent all the money that we got donations for last year and kind of the proposal for the upcoming year where we're going to spend the money and where the donations might be coming from. And really it's all comes down to one person. There's a gal named Betty that, uh, you know, advertising, marketing, promoting are all different things and networking. She does all of them very well, very well. And I, she hasn't been formally trained in any of them. I think she just intuitively knows. I, I, it, she's amazing to watch. She can be in any situation and, you know, she remembers to and let them know what we do and find out what they do and how she can help them, which is very important, and, and how they can help our organization and Ultimately, both of those will help veterans. That's kind of the key. Uh, but she's, you know, she she's always marketing. She's always, um, you know, making sure that there's images out there whenever we do anything so people know who we are, that this is what we're doing. It, it all comes together, and, it, and what she's able to accomplish is unbelievable, and it is such a great feeling. Uh, I enjoy it so much to help our veterans who many times – you know, don't get really what they deserve. Uh, so we try to fill in those gaps and, and we do, I think, a pretty good job. And uh, so that's that on that a couple of board meetings. Um, I went to dinner with uh, the people that make uh, this show possible in many ways. Agyar Professional Training. They, you know, happen to be a couple of friends of mine, uh, Dan and Suzette. So we had a nice time catching up and uh, going over, you know, some aspects of the show. It's nice to get some input from people who who listen regularly. Uh, so anytime, you know, if you have any thoughts, uh, 
send us an email at warlive at walkandrolllive.com. And uh, also, uh, what else did I do? Oh, I had poker night with the guys, which is always a lot of fun. Uh, you know, a bunch of knuckleheads that I uh, play poker with. I've been playing. We try to get together once a month, and it ends up being, I don't know, you know, not even every six weeks. It takes a little longer sometimes for all of us to be free on the same Saturday night. We do it on Saturday night. And uh, I, I feel like I've mentioned this maybe on here before the last last time we got together. But it's funny because we used to get together six, seven o'clock. You know, we, we eat. Whoever is hosting it that night uh, provides, you know, dinner, pizza, you know, chili, whatever it is. And then um, and we would play till two and three in the morning, you know. Now, it's so funny because we actually meet at four and we're wrapping up by 10. So, you know, we've gotten a little older and, you know, can't uh, can't keep those hours anymore. But we have a good time. And and, and I was telling somebody the other day what uh, that I had had poker night. And they said, well, what do you play? And so we play like dealer's choice, basically. So you name it, you know, seven car stud. There's a game we call. If you're if you play poker, you might you know you might know some of these names in these games, guts and acy Ducey legs. We do a thing where you put out four, like we and we play nickel dime stuff. Trust me, it's not big money, uh, but we'll put out like four quarters, and then it's also called pass the trash. You might know it from that. Everybody gets a card, and you just pass it to the guy to the left of you if you don't like the card, and he has to give you his card. You know, so if you've got a six and you pass it to him and he's got a 10, you're golden. You know, you know, you can beat that guy. And slowly but surely, whoever has the lowest card goes out until all your legs are gone and the last person standing is uh, is the winner. So just stupid games like that, you know, and we eat and we, you know, just cap on each other and tell the same stories over and over and over. I've heard the same stories for 20 years about to lose my mind sometimes, but it's a good time. We have fun. We have fun. So I, I think that's uh, pretty much uh, the extent of my week. Hope, hopefully yours was a little more exciting. All right. Well, let's uh, turn to our our guest for this week. We're able to get uh, Bobby Rohan, who is an SCI survivor and one of the hosts of Live to Roll. Eric and I were on their program been two or three months ago now. They have a, a podcast uh, and it's on YouTube live. They do it every Tuesday I think it's 3.30, I believe. Usually about a 90-minute thing. And it's uh, Sean Fluke and Bobby Rohan and Tom Conaway. And they talk about uh, topics that relate to, you know, being in a chair and and all the things that kind of go along with that. I have some great topics on there. Uh, So uh, check that out. And uh, hopefully we'll have Tom on in the future if he'll he'll agree to come on and, and talk with us. But Bobby Rohan is next. We're going to uh, be back in 30 seconds right after this word from Agyar Professional Training. Introducing Agyar Professional Training, where we believe your greatest asset is your team. Investing in their development, knowledge, and happiness is crucial for the success and growth of your business. To reach new heights, you need to hire smart, talented individuals and empower them to work in their areas of strength and passion. At Agyar Professional Training, we're dedicated to helping your employees become happier, more productive, and fulfilled. Because when your team thrives, your business thrives. We can help your workplace work better. 
We offer customized workshops and one-on-one coaching to help teams and leaders build trust and have better communication. We also offer strategic planning sessions among other services. Elevate your team with Agyar Professional Training. We are back with Walk and Roll Live, and we have our guest this week, Bobby Rohan, an SCI survivor and one of the hosts of Live to Roll, which Eric and I were on, a, a, I don't know, a couple months ago now. And yeah. so we wanted to invite him. And, and Tom, I want to get him on as well. You guys yeah. are all, oh, you guys do a great job with your your uh, podcast, but also it's live on YouTube, right? Yeah. And we're like, live every Tuesday, uh, 3.30. It's Sean, Tom, and myself, and we have different topics that we uh, discuss each week on YouTube. And uh, then we have various other shows throughout the week, too. So Now, I, I got to have a confession here. Um, uh, I, I've stolen something from you guys. And uh, <laughs> listening to your to your podcast, uh, I, I like the way you introduce yourselves and give your, you know, your, your uh, diagnosis or whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. And so Eric and I have started to do that because, you know, I, I, I got to thinking, you know, after I heard you guys doing it, you know, we come on, we do our show and we interview people, we talk about, you know, our issues, but we, we never kind of give it that context. So I think, you know, you guys do that at the beginning and it kind of gives the context for the rest of that, you know, conversation that you guys have. So we've started to do that. So wanted Excellent. to give you guys credit. Yeah. Yeah. It really works out well. So, you know, if you've listened to the show at all, we all we always uh, try to kind of get to know the whole person. It's not all about the the disability or, you know, your, your SEI and all of that. So we kind of get want to get a little history on, you know, kind of the pre-injury Bobby. You know, what, what yeah. where, where are you from? Where did you, where'd you grow up and all that? Not a problem. Um, I had a fun childhood growing up. I was born in Denver, Colorado, and I don't remember much. Um my parents lived right outside of, or in Golden, uh, yeah. really kind of just outside. We were high in the mountains at 9,000 uh, elevation feet. And so it took 20 minutes, 25 minutes for my mom to boil water. And uh, that was my little playground when I was. Uh, I was going to say, you probably spent a lot of outdoor time. Huh? Oh, yeah. A lot of sledding down the hill because uh, we were up on the top of a big hill and and that's about much I can remember of it. Just uh, we moved when I was six to Oregon and we moved to Salem, Oregon first and lived there for four years and then moved to Bend, Oregon. Uh, Salem was great. We lived on a cul-de-sac with a lot of kids. So it was, you know, summer times where we wake up in the morning and you didn't come back until you heard your name. And, yeah. you know, that kind of situation, just always having fun riding your bike and uh, playing whatever. Uh, Then in Bend, Oregon, you know, I'm coming into myself as, you know, all of a sudden I get a paper route and uh, love to, love to bicycle. Uh, I was riding a bike ever since I can remember in Colorado, uh, going down the driveway, you know, with no training wheels and my mom just like, Oh my gosh. So you get to the point where you did the, you set up the boards and did the, jump and all that uh not in colorado but eventually in oregon we did <laughs> yeah. and then when i got a, a a paper route i had you know the bmx bike mm-hmm. eventually like i'm like this is for suckers man i need to get a regular 10 speed so i got a 10 speed for my 
12th birthday and that helped a lot getting the paper route going a lot faster so I can get home for dinner. We delivered the paper at night after school. And um, then in 85, we moved to California and I've been in California ever since. Uh, part of also Bend, Oregon, I had joined the swim team because of a girl. And so I was swimming and my paper routes. And I mean, I was a busy little kid, uh, loved to make money uh, in the sense of babysitting when I could. I just, you know, just had that mentality very early. And it helped when we moved to California and I, with a friend, discovered a sport called triathlons. And I'm like, wow, I'm already a swimmer. Uh, I love to ride my bike and my dad just happened to win a uh, racing bike from work and you know he didn't know what to do with it but he's like well yeah this is great because now we have this new bike it's yours and then how life works out that way sometimes right yeah very strange and then i thought anybody can run (laughs) and uh, no not everybody can run but um i did my college try but i was very good at the triathlons from the get-go i now, what what the length of triathlon did you do? Because I know there's the sprint triathlons, but yeah, I started with some sprints, yeah, and then eventually worked my way. It wasn't like anything planned. I think we were a kid; we just didn't know anything. It was just like, oh, this sounds good. This sounds good. Where I think most of it was like a mile swim, twenty four mile bike, and a ten k run. So that's uh, even longer than some of the there's shorter sprints than that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think our first three were the sprints, and then it just eventually warped into um, doing that. There was a... How how old were you at this point? I was 15 when I started. And between the ages of 15 and 17, I had probably done over 150 triathlons. Wow. Including one half Ironman, which is one point, it was like a 1.2 mile swim. 56 mile bike ride and a 13.1 mile run. And um, all of a sudden uh, people recognize me being for my uh, fast cycling. And I won a bike race in Utah when we were out there for a, we went out there for a triathlon to train and won a bicycle race and got recognized for that. And now, when, you, when you say bicycle race, are you talking about like, like a tour de France style with yeah, a peloton. A yeah. It was like a one day classic and okay. somewhere outside of Utah. And it was, we, we were in Utah for two weeks training with a bunch of friends, a couple uh, professional athletes and we ran out of money. <laughs> and so we found a bike race that we heard about that paid people for 18 and over. And then they were paying for 18 and under. And I think it was like a thousand dollars for eighteen and over, and five hundred for eighteen and under. For for finishes, for first place, first, first place. place. Okay, yeah, that's it. You had to win, and that was it. That was all the money. And luckily, our friend won the eighteen and over. He was a professional athlete, and uh, he uh, booked but you know. And my embrace was uh, came down to the wire, and I just beat this other kid out. It was just him and I throughout the whole race. No. Nobody else challenged us and I just nipped them at the bud and, you know, won the 18 and under. And we got back the next day to where 
we were picking up our packet for the triathons and I meet, um, for the second time I meet Lance Armstrong and he's like, yeah, I remember you, you were, uh, the kid from the kid from this training camp that I was at. And, you know, here's my, here's my coach and here's my, um, agent. We think you should go into cycling. Like wow, I saw something in you. Yeah. Wow. And, uh, so I talked to the coach and he's like, finish up school and then we'll get your butt out to Colorado. And then unfortunately at the age of 17 here, 30, almost 35 years ago in March will be, um, when I was cut off by another car on a training ride and hit into a back of a handicapped school bus and broke my C five, six vertebrae five, six, seven, I think. So you were on the verge really of, of some bigger things. I hope so. Yeah. yeah I'm yeah. pretty sure, you know, I mean, you know, if I never turned professional professional, but I was, you know, sports was all my life. You know, we, yeah. it was, it was, I just have that, this mentality of, of endurance sports. I just loved it. I, I played baseball as a kid and just didn't like that team aspect of it when I'm relying on two lazy kids out in the outfield, not wanting to catch the ball. And I'm like, yeah. Oh, this is not for me. Yeah, I need- so you were truly competitive Yeah, and, you know, in, in that you had that spirit, that competitive. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, and it was more about if I don't win, it's because of me, not because of anybody else. Around gotcha. me. You know, so if I didn't train one day and it showed in a race, there it goes. Yeah. So you know, that's where it kind of, I was headed. And unfortunately at, a young age you know who knows but overall it made a big difference with my recovery my attitude ah. you know for the future right it was the best setup i could ever ask for because it got me through a lot of hard days hard situations and time with this spinal cord injury yeah before we go too much further you know kind of tell us about that that mindset at the time what was going through your mind because you had, you know, you were kind of on that, on that track and you meet Lance Armstrong and he's saying, you know, he sees potential in you by, you know, offering his contacts. So was it um, like at first, was it like just earth shattering or did you, how did you make that turn? It wasn't, um, it wasn't earth. It was more, you don't know you're not going to recovery. Yeah. You yeah. Know, recover. You know, you, your your mindset is more like I, I remember talking in ICU. Uh, you know, th- so March there was a triathlon in Catalina in November that I did the previous year, and I loved it. And I thought, like, that would be my comeback race. Yeah, no problem. Eventually, after three months of rehab, going, I'm gonna have to really think this through, and. You know, I had, I remember in rehab, I had one of those big cries watching a movie. It was, uh, it was a dumb movie of anything called uh, um, Hot Dog, the movie. It was about snow skiing. And I used to love to snow ski growing up in Bend, Oregon. I would live by Mount Bachelor. And I was just like, I don't know if I'm ever going to do that again. And I lost it, you know, and I lost it to this girl from school in front of me, she was, she had a big crush on me and I, you know, 
you know, I just thought of her always as the odd one, but uh, I'm just like, here I am losing it in front of her. But, you know, it helped that she was there that day and my mom was there and they're like, wow, what do you cry? And I, it just, it finally hit me. And I moved on the next day. I just said, you know, this is going to be a long haul, but take it as you do with your triathlons. Yeah. We're going to train every day and we're going to get better and we're going to, we're going to make some big things happen no matter what ability I have. And I just kind of always had that mindset. I mean, eventually over time, things started getting easier where I was uh, pushing my own manual wheelchair because what I was going to get out of the hospital, they wanted to order me a power chair. Yeah. And I'm like, no, no, you're not. I'm going to push my own chair. Yeah. Even though when they put me in the manual chair a couple of times, it was the hardest thing I did trying to get to from my, uh, hospital room to the physical therapy room. That was my whole therapy. Yeah. <laughs> trying to get and, my, and that's a, and that's a beautiful, you know, flat level oh, smooth yeah. floor, you yeah. know, there was no carpet. I had the same, just real quick. I had the same experience, which when I, when I got a chair, when I finally kind of thought, you know, I, I need to get a chair for, you know, different reasons. And, but everybody said that to me, you know, you get in a power chair, you get in a power chair. Like, no, I, you know, I'm still, you know, <laughs> to my, in my mind, I'm still able-bodied enough where I could push a manual chair. I'm going to do that as long as I can. I mean, it's a form of exercise. It's, you know, there's all, all other benefits to it, but I don't know why people want to put you definitely, you know, immediately into a power right. chair. Yeah. And I, I know why they were kind of nervous because of my strength and not too many uh, C5, six quadriplegics at that time were pushing a manual wheelchair. One, they were finally starting to become light. I mean, they were still not where they are today, Yeah, but yeah. it was, you know, they were finally starting to get light and we had made a deal that, okay, I'll put on this power unit on the back. And this power unit was way before the time because now that's all you see is yeah. uh, power add-ons. But this thing was built by some some guy out of his garage in Simi Valley. And they ordered me that with the manual chair. And the day it came, it was all put together. And I said, take off the that power unit. And and it was very hard at first because I didn't have any independence. Yeah. You know, pushing around my house with carpet, I'm like, uh, can, can you guys help me just yeah, get people People don't understand, yeah, how much of a yeah, challenge. Yeah, my dad's like, it would have be. been better if you got a power chair. I'm like, no, it's not. Yeah, and I, and again, I, I I don't mean to interrupt, but it just this is that kind of the crossroads that you know your personal rehabilitation and your you know your mindset and getting through this for yourself kind of intersects with you know the bigger picture of of what the the world tries to implement and impose on people yeah. with disabilities. You know, they make decisions for us in, in from a great place, you know, I'll, I'll give them that, you know, it's yeah. always coming from a good place, but we don't get challenged a lot of times like other people, you know, it, it's, it, it, you see it all over the place. You know, you just, just, you know, if you're on Instagram, you'll see, the quotes that go oh, by, yeah. you know, daily that talk about, you know, you know, you, uh, the, the, you, you grow the most from failure and it's like, okay, can I fail? Hell, allow, allow me to fail. Do you mind? Yeah. You know, so I can grow too. Yeah. I'm sorry. So go ahead. 
No, no, you have a, a great point. And uh, um, that holds well, because after I think some of the therapists open their eyes, like, you know, if we have another person come in with the same disability, you know, maybe we should think about this because yeah. if this kid's doing it, maybe this other kid can do it. And now, will you ever know your limits if you don't test them? Exactly. You know, what exactly. you're possible to, uh, you know, unable to do. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it was, you know, thinking back, it was like the first day I went swimming on the swim team, you know, by the fifth or sixth lap, you know, I was ready to die <laughs> and get out of that pool and quit. But, you know, I, I didn't, I carried on and I practiced every day. And eventually I was, I was good to where I made junior Olympics one year and I made, um, junior Olympics for lifeguarding championships of all these different, and part of it was a lot of it was swimming and, you know, where I won some uh, bronze medals and um, did really well for myself in the swimming, but it didn't, I wasn't that at the beginning and I wasn't like that with my manual chair. And every morning, uh, you know, my dad worked a job where he was from three to 11 at night, the swing shift. And so when he finally woke up, around eight, nine o'clock, I'd ask him to take me to the mall and we would go there every day. And I would go back and forward, back and forward. One direction was uphill and one direction was downhill. <laughs> you ask anybody else, they're like, that is a flat mall. And I'm like, nope. If you go that way, it's kind of going uphill. Because <laughs> I knew <laughs> much slower going that way than coming back the other way. And that's how I started. I just took it, you know, took it as the same as my training and how am I going to get better? And I went to finally got into a uh, outpatient rehab that uh, I forget who I think my best friend found it, but it was in Pacific Palisades called the Walker Institute. And it was by the doctor who owned it. Her name was Dr. Walker. And so uh, it wasn't like, hey, come in and walk, but they did yeah. have that mentality to get you in braces and stand up. And I almost got kicked out being there for six months a few times because they wanted me to try braces. And I'm like, that's not independent. I want to be independent by the time I'm done with this. I want to be able to transfer. I want to be able to be in my you know chair where I have no problems going across the street and get up the curb and, you know drive eventually and yeah. all these things that did, did they want you to with the braces did they want you, were you still going to be in a chair with braces or did they want to get you up you trying know, to walk it was more they you know that theory was the getting in braces also helped and i did eventually get into them and it, yeah. it did help with my strength because when you're trying to hold yourself up between two parallel yeah. But as I, you know, shifted to the right and my left leg kind of comes up and moves forward, um, they're like, look, see what you're doing? I'm like, yeah, I'm doing that because I'm, you know, I was practical about it yeah. and say yeah. to everyone, yeah. that's not walking to me. That doesn't, you know. When, when I was a kid, you know, we, you know, went to physical therapy and I say we because it was me and my brother. Yeah, um, I remember. Yeah. And, um, and they wanted us to walk in our braces like everybody walks you know one foot in front of the other so so basically with your crutches you just added the crutches to it you know so you walk you know you walked with your feet and then you moved your crutches forward and it was yeah. left right left right left right crutch left right leg you know 
And you know, like you, you know, we're kids and we're practical. You know, it, this is going to take me forever to get to someplace. So that's when we started to swing through. Yeah. So you put the, the crutches out in front of you and swing through. You know, we're tearing all over the place. But yeah. So, yeah, I can see where. Yeah. yeah. And it, it just so, you know, really, it was more about I'm not going to be able to put braces on myself and sit up ever, you know, unless yeah. eventually I get more movement of my upper body and my try because I have zero triceps. I, I, I don't I can't lift my arm above my head unless I cheated and bring my deltoid into it and then I can get it, down. To, you know, then. But eventually it's just going to collapse on my face uh, once gravity takes over. So, you know, I mean, I, eventually by the time I did leave that place, I was driving. I was almost transferring. Um, starting to get a little bit of, you know, dressing involved. That, that's impressive in six months. Yeah. Well, this, you know, I think this was now. A year and a half after That's my injury. I started there a year after my injury. Okay. So it was like the summertime of uh, 1990. And I eventually I was just, I was driving to uh, the Walker Institute once a week, once I was done, done, but I still could. They said I can come in and work out on Saturdays. So I did that. And this rehab was like something you don't see anymore which i got to go there five days a week seven hours a day and so it was like, like a total workout every day and you know you do some therapy you do some you know get in the standing frame weight exercise some rec therapy um occupational so and you had a trainer with you all day helping mm -hmm. you on these and then eventually well, and, you and i think it's worth noting it sounds like this was all self-motivation you, you yeah. didn't have anybody cracking a whip over your head saying you got to go to rehabilitation. Yeah. This is Bobby saying, I want to get, make some progress here. Yeah. yeah. And it wasn't cheap. And luckily the, the way my accident happened, um, it was, it turned out it was the school bus fault. Uh, the way she was parked in a no stopping at any time huh. in front of a fire hydrant and too far away from the curb in the bike lane. <laughs> so she, you know, and during our court session, she didn't, she had no remorse, you know, like, I just wanted a taco at Taco Bell. So, and that's all she kept saying. So, and that's all I can remember. But, yeah. and I never, you know, at first I was angry with her, like, look at this dummy, you know, that just, you know, no remorse for, for this kid here that's paralyzed. Uh, she just didn't have it. And um, she's like, well, it's not my fault. He hit the bus. I mean, it's a big yellow bus. And, I know when I tell people that they're like, "You hit a yellow bus." I'm like, "Yes, it was." I get a load of this, Doug. It was a handicapped school bus. I know that there's a bit of irony in that. Yeah. So, um, but you know, eventually, it's like, why be mad at someone that just doesn't see it? You know, if yeah. um, it's kind of like in politics, you know, when somebody's trying to explain your side of politics, and they're like, "No, no, it's this." And it's this, yeah. Like, why are you going to tear your hair, hair out to? Uh, to try to get them to turn to your side, you know, what they believe in, they believe in. And that's, you know, I moved on and luckily because Good. of that it paid for that Walker Institute and um, some of the medical fees that my parents had endured and helped me get up my first van. And, uh, and then we were, I was able to put some away that 
um, that kind of still, I wouldn't say help, help, but it, it makes things a little more comfortable today. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I wish I had, you know, better money management um, skills, but, you know, I, we did the best we could. And uh, luckily at now 54, how old am I? 52, um, retired and I get to do the things I want to. Well, that's a, the question that uh, you, you were, what, 17? 17. Yeah. So you're, you're about to become an adult. You're about to like embark on some sort of career. Were you able to find a, a job and a career? Yep. I met a girl, started dating her, um, you know, which was, you know, amazing for my eyes at first. Like what? Really? But she said, no, it's about your heart, not your legs. And, yeah. uh, you know, so it made it something special and got to learn what it was like to be in a relationship because, Really didn't have girlfriends. I mean, I had some girls. That it's like not like you were too busy. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. So, you know, here I am, a dumb kid in a relationship, and she taught me, you know, a lot. But it, it helped. And but here, here I am, finally in a relationship, and trying to still find myself, and buying a couple toys like a hand cycle and a racing chair, and thinking like, oh, this is what I can do, but. Again, after having those and trying to still have people help me put it in, it wasn't becoming practical. Yeah. And eventually that uh, relationship ran its course uh, in my eyes of that's probably not the person I want to be with. And before I do something stupid, let's, you know, I separated it and thought like, I need to go back to school and, you know, figure something out. I, I don't know what I want to do. Maybe I thought of something in the health, you know, being a, you know, uh nutritionist or a key teacher of some sort. Uh, so I went to school and the, here the kicker was I sucked at school before my accident. It just wasn't my thing, you know, it's with me too. With, yeah. Yeah. And eventually here I am at uh Port, Moore Park uh, junior college and I was in a biology class and had a biology study partner. And she, her and I were studying one day. And as I was reading something, she's like, whoa, you have dyslexia so bad. And I'm like, what? She's like, yeah, you're just like me. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what am I? She goes, you're reading everything backwards. You skip words. You're all over the place. I'm like, yeah, I know. And I was really embarrassed. And, but that was a great find because she helped me get some help. And here I am working now for another year at junior college to work on my dyslexia, which was pain in the butt. And summer was coming up and I thought like, let's not do summer school. Let's take that off. And I went to the local place where I buy my, uh, you know, some of my equipment uh, for wheelchairs or tires and they did repairs there. And it was a new owner. And I asked him, hey, can I get a job? And he's like, what can you do? And I'm like, I don't know, but if you hire me, you're not going to regret it. And he's just like, well, I guess I got to hire you. I don't like to regret things in life. And he hired me and I was at first just answering phones and eventually started following the sales rep around. And next thing I know, I was a sales rep for DME equipment for adults, pediatric, geriatric, 
so I was cruising around all around LA, going to facilities, people's homes, measuring them for a wheelchair or getting them a scooter or um, a power unit and helped out with a lot of customers. One of my customers was uh, Annette F- Fotocello. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she was starting her MS. I finally caught up to her and we had uh, did some chairs for her. And then another one was Joni Atata. Uh, if anybody that? knows Joni Atata, um, her name was Joni Erickson, actually. She um, she has a big uh, foundation where they go all around the world donating chairs, but she was in a snow skiing accident. A lot okay. of people know about her story in the 70s. And so she was like, I, I had heard the story. And so in my eyes, here I am helping out this um, famous person who wrote a book um, about overcoming her disability. So that wasn't uh, the, the other side of the mountain, was it? I think so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If I remember correctly. I remember that movie from years was, ago. Yeah. Joni Erickson. And then. Um, when she got married, she um, changed her name. Okay. And uh, or I think now she goes by uh, Joni Erickson Tatata. So she was one of my customers. And I would always tell my boss, like, she's not going to be happy in this chair. You know, just fix her old chair. And she never got, she got two new chairs from us and still uses the same chair she has, you know, today, I think. So I, I know that for, uh, for a fact. So she just. You know, we're, we get comfy in our uh, same everyday chair, which tomorrow I'm supposed to go out to San Diego and pick up my new chair. And I haven't had a new chair in 20 years. So I'm kind of nervous. I just, I just ordered one. They just, you know, the guy that was, gives you, you know, uh, Carlton uh-huh. with mo- mobility he came to the house and mm-hmm. did all the measuring. And so I first, first one in probably 10 years for me. And, and, and this one's falling apart. So it can't get here soon enough. Yeah, but that that must have added credibility, you know, when you come through the door and 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 helping people, you know, get their DME. Yeah, I think it, it helped a lot with some. Um, it was frustrating for me. On the other hand, uh, my boss and I, you know, butted heads a lot because I'd want them to have the best wheels, the best, you know, this or that uh, for their chair, but. I can't put it on there or justify it. It was um, their the insurance, insurance wasn't yeah. going to pay for it. And, but I worked there for, for four years and eventually he put me on this board of directors for a nonprofit called wings. And I, I knew about it. I knew the people who started it and the people who worked there. So it was a comfortable fit. And we, uh, branched out to peer peer mentoring and peer support, which I was kind of doing as selling wheelchairs, but I was also doing it on the side with going back to the rehab and talking to patients when my therapist would call and say, you have to talk to this person. So it was becoming a natural fit that I was doing a lot of peer mentoring. And in the meantime, playing some sports like wheelchair rugby and um enjoying my life, going out with some friends at the cowboy bar and staying up late and waking up early and trying to make it to work and uh, doing stuff that I should be, you should do in your twenties instead of getting sometimes tied down. But I was traveling, uh, meeting friends in new Orleans or North Carolina and other places like that. And 
uh, I was just enjoying myself and, you know, things were really in place. And fortunately, uh, DME caught up to the industry. We were, uh, you know, we weren't owned by anybody else. Now it's, now they're big companies and it's hard to stay afloat if you're just on your own. And, and what happened is uh, one of our top salesperson, she did a lot of, um, oh, why am I, the pediatrics. So by uh, uh, CCS, um, I think at California Children's Services. And for them to pay us, it was just becoming a struggle where we're ordering these chairs that cost a kid, you know, our cost is ten thousand mm-hmm. dollars. We're trying to get we're trying to bill for, you know, eighteen hundred, you know, eighteen thousand. And they're taking two hundred days to pay us, two fifty. And, you know, eventually, you know, more money was going out than it was coming in. And we had to shut down the doors. Yeah. You wonder if it's part of their strategy, right? Yeah, who knows? I think yeah. everything was becoming tighter. They were getting, you know, think things were changing in the sense like we can't just let people have whatever they want. We have to, you know, all of a sudden the uh, urology business was starting to change a little bit. And let instead of letting have uh, people have unlimited catheters, uh, let's let's let them only have 180. You know, you're like uh, things like that were just changing. It was getting really hard for reimbursement to come in on time and so my boss just finally said i I just can't sustain this i gotta you know this family that i gotta feed and i think i'm going back to where he was originally from from um well he was originally from chicago but i think his wife was originally from duluth iowa or something like that and they moved back saying he became a truck driver of all days and uh here i am like Okay, now what? What do I do? Chapter. Um, A friend gave me a job at a urology place, and I was there for a few years. I didn't like it, but in that meantime, I met my wife, and we I was at a country bar, and I was meeting a few friends. And a friend said, "You have to meet uh, one of my friends. You love her; she'll love you." And there was just one little catch my at the time she was still married and i'm like i don't want to do that i did that uh to you know with this other girl and i'm yeah. i said i would never do that again and eventually you know meeting her a few times at the bar i was like well she said she's you know splitting up and you know when that happens let's let's see where this goes and eventually she split from her husband and we started dating and so the rest it, is history you know, the rest is history and we just uh did our 20-year anniversary Very last nice. week congratulations week yeah thank you yeah so here i am married i moved from uh the san fernando valley down to orange county my wife thought i was crazy she's like you know nobody down there <laughs> and we moved i moved down here because her work was um this way at a hospital she was a bariatric um manager for a bariatric surgery program and and she made more money than i did so i'm like well i think i'm gonna have to come your way and then you come my way and i'm actually kind of excited for a change in life 
you know, it's Valley's not that far and uh, I can go see people whenever I want. And so I moved down here and uh, didn't play as much rugby and eventually joined a team for a couple of years that we had down here, but it wasn't, uh, the guys weren't as sustainable. And, um, but eventually I was kind of in limbo with work and my wife was okay with that. And, um, but one day the opportunity came knocking at the door and a friend of mine asked me to dinner and I went to dinner and all of a sudden I said, might be an interview for a job because it sounds like it. And it was a supervising job for a peer mentoring program at Rancho Los Amigos National Rehabilitation. And here I am when I wasn't working, I was running my butt around California, visiting people at homes. And then it finally just turned into a real job where I was getting paid, supervising other peer mentors, not only for spinal cord, but for brain injury, stroke, and all other different okay. types of uh, disabilities to amputee, MS, um, you name it. So uh, here I am and rest in the job world again and enjoying life. And Good. So you know the history of Rancho Los Amigos, right? That, yeah. that was, that's where it started as a, as a clinic for polio, mm-hmm. right? Survivors. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So I imagine they don't, they must've had to change over the years because they don't see much in that regard anymore. Right? No, no. But I went down to the basement one time to get something. And uh, I got to see this big room where all the, uh, uh, what machines? The iron uh, lungs. The iron lung. Yeah. Yeah. So creepy. I was, yeah. My wheels, please don't fill me right now. Cause I am out of here. It was so creepy. All there, there, I've seen pictures and I yeah. think it was from Rancho where the big, big room with maybe what, 40 or 50 yeah. people mm-hmm. in iron lungs and the nurses attending to them. It's like, Ugh. yeah, if you go to Rancho now, you'll see they have a big, big picture of that in a couple of their buildings. Yeah. Scary. Well, right. now, now there's respirators. So, you know, we, yeah. don't, we don't use them anymore, <laughs> but I, you know, I, I saw something just, just a few years ago where some, somebody, a uh, gentleman was still using one. Oh, wow. Yeah, I can see where if that's what you're used to, then. Yeah. And it was getting harder and harder for him to keep it running because, you know, obviously they haven't made parts for them in years. Yeah. Who's going to repair it, too, and knows how to repair something like this. So did you retire from there then? So I just recently retired. So, you know, when COVID uh, hit, Mm -hmm. I was working from home, uh, loving it. I was like, uh, after 10 years of working, this is just kind of nice to wake up and, and come into my uh, little dungeon as you see it. This is actually my garage that yeah. you're looking at uh, that we converted into like my, uh, at the time we had it as the man room with a bunch of my collectibles that I have and a poker table. And now I call it my exercise room. But uh, So during the pandemic, I'm working from home. I really excelled in um keeping the support groups going for Rancho mm-hmm. and just said, you know, this is ridiculous. We can do this all online through the platform that we're on. I knew about it from board meetings that we had. I'm like, there's something called zoom that we can, you know, still have everybody join a support group. Cause they're going to need it now more than any, more than ever, yeah. ever, because a lot of these patients at Rancho, that's, you see them every day. 
you know, there every day because they don't, a lot of times they don't know what to do, you know, and their parents are like, you got to go do something. Yeah. So they just end up just hanging out at ranch all day until the night. And then they go home. It's like their little job. And without it, I'm sure a lot of people were lost. So yeah. I created all the platforms for each of the disabilities for the support groups. Um, got everybody running. Would always send out the invitations. I got employee of the month for it at Rancho, uh, which was really nice. I, you know, I tell you, that's that's part of what, you know, helped me through COVID. I was retired already. So I was mm -hmm. already, you know, kind of ice isolated already because I was at home, not going out to a to a right. job. So a number of the different organizations that, that I belong to had monthly mixers, you know, so I, I'd get on Zoom and that, yeah, that, that helped a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, during it, I, um, one morning it was early on, um, nothing to do. And I was on YouTube searching around and there was this guy doing a live workout in a chair. Um, his name was Ben Clark, Adapt to Perform. And like, I watched the workout the, the first day and then the next day, I'm like, okay, I'm going to try it, you know? And he was talking about, you know, signing up on Patreon and uh, if you want to, if you want more. And I think you know, it was like, I don't know, five bucks, you get this and join our uh, Saturday Zoom and meet people that are in the chat because a lot of people were chatting and it seemed like they all knew each other from the little time that they were working out together. Yeah. And so I thought like, well, this would keep me, um, keep me motivated because I'm paying for it now. You know, yeah, I can have it for free. It's on YouTube, but you know, I'll pay for it and make me accountable. And next thing I know, I'm chatting away with people and then I'm going to the Saturday Zooms, meeting people from all around the world, Portugal and England and uh, Canada, and, uh, all these different places throughout the United States as well. And I got to become friends with somebody from Canada. Him and I have the same disability. He's been hurt a little bit longer than I have. And, you know, we eventually that gentleman was like, oh, COVID is starting to ease up and i'm not going to be doing the live every day so we said hey in the chat anybody who wants to work out we're going to do the same time join this zoom link and it still happens today with a uh, few of them from mostly the ladies get together and i don't even know they said half the time they don't even work out they just <laughs> chat but you know, eventually that helped me you know buddy and i just doing uh working out with them and coaching them kind of and I found this other organization called Staying Driven, and she offered it, you know, four classes a day, uh, every day throughout the week, one on Saturday, and it was $20 a month. I'm like, this is easy, you know, and so I joined that, and I'm doing workouts once a day, my friend Paul and I, and eventually she said, you should coach with us, and I'm like, oh, that would be great, so she put us through a, a, a a coaching class and we got our certificate and then I was coaching and eventually Rancho was my boss was asking me, Hey, you know, you got to come back more, you know, you can't work at home every day. And I'm like, I don't want to go back. I'm just, you know, the hospitals and COVID is still a thing. You have to wear a mask. I'm already freaked out about germs. Yeah. And, you know, 
what happened was a year ago today, well, not today, but um, a year ago in January, uh, I was having difficulties breathing. And I, you know, I had COVID that uh, December and then by January, I was just still exhausted every day. And everybody's like, oh, that's just the COVID. That's just the COVID. And one morning I woke up and I'm just like, Telling my wife, can you please just call nine one one? I don't know what else to do. Yeah. She's like, and she thought I was I was just panicking, and I um, got to the hospital. They discovered that there was some fluid around my heart, and by the time the cardiologist got there, he's like, "I, th- your your scan is has a massive amount. If I don't go in there right now, I'm afraid you might not make it through the night." And I was rushed in. Uh, they pretty much Pulp Fiction style uh, poked a hole through my chest and drained the fluid. And they had drained almost a liter off my chest. Wow. Where, where was that fluid coming from? Uh, they don't, they think it was, what happened is it was coming from my body. But yeah, yeah. when I had the virus of COVID, it all screwed up my system and it redirected it to the heart. And so once the fluid came off my heart, the body said, now what are we going to do with fluid? Oh, let's just put it in the lungs because everything wasn't working the way it should have. Yeah, to to flush it out, yeah. And so then uh, I was doing okay after the heart one. And then eventually I couldn't breathe after they gave me some Lasix. It was because now it's all in my lungs and they drained a liter and a half off of my right lung and a liter off uh, my left lung. Wow. And, you know, it put me through a, you know, a month of in the hospital and then two weeks of rehab after. So like right about now, a year ago, I was being transferred into a, a rehab place and, you know, thank God, you know, at the time I just wanted to go home. Yeah. My wife's like, you're not coming home. And, you know, when I saw it in her face and I'm like, yeah, she can't do this. I'm so weak. Mm-hmm. I got to do this. So I went to rehab, got out. And during that time, I called my boss and said, I think this is time. And she goes, yeah, I knew you were going to, you know, it was going to come to this. So, you know, discussing with my wife, she goes, yeah, I'd just rather you just come home, get well, continue doing what you love is coaching and have fun. And I, you know, got stronger and I had just, through a grant, got a electric hand bike and started riding my hand bike again. And I felt like I was, it was the first time feeling like I was back on the road again with a bike. Yeah. Yeah. And last, last year I put in 900 and almost a thousand miles. Wow. That summer and fall. Very nice. So you, you made a nice recovery. I made a nice recovery. Yeah. Well, there's there's three or four things I want to touch on there. Yeah, you know, first first of all, and I don't, I maybe I didn't come up with this, and maybe people have talked about it, and and I didn't know, but um, that's my theory is that through COVID, you know, and when we came back from COVID, and and they were talking about, you know, it was difficult to find people that wanted to work and would come back to work, and, and I firmly believe that that's what happened during COVID is through you know, platforms like Zoom and all of that, it just forced people 
that couldn't go to their job, but they needed to make an income. And they started looking for other avenues and found them. And they said, now I'm independent. I'm on my own. I can do my own thing, make money at it, take care of my family. I don't need to go back to that job. I hated it anyway. You know, yeah. so I think that's what happened. Or I don't want to go back because I just don't want to go back to that, you know, want to go right. to something different. Yeah. Yeah. I had it. I mean, I loved it over there and I liked yeah. what I was doing. I just, you know, it was still every day was a 40 minute drive. And um, I, I just found a new passion with yeah. coaching online and exercising that way, uh, you know, because we, Today, it's still going on that I get to coach every morning or afternoon. And, you know, it's $30 for I coach all these people across the United States with all sorts of different disabilities. So that's just been kind of my new passion. It doesn't yeah. necessarily pay for the bill, but it pays for a couple extra stuff. And yeah. I volunteer for the nonprofit Triumph Foundation here in Southern California that I hold close ties to and because I'm on the board of directors, I'm a good to know. Good to know. Cause I'd like to have triumph on. So maybe you can help me with a connection there, buddy. We can can get that. I can have that happen. And, and then I have the live to roll. So I'm, you know, I'm here in, in this room for that kind of fun stuff. And then I am outdoors pushing my wheelchair or riding my bike the two things that I love to do. In yeah, fact, I, I see on Instagram out there riding the bike in the sunshine looks pretty good. Yeah. I have a hand cycle that that I got years ago through a grant through possibilities. You know, mm-hmm. I used to go out and I did did three or four half marathons on my on my bike, and it just it it's gotten to the point where I, I think, like you alluded to, it's I don't think I can get it out there myself. I don't know if I can get in and out of it like I used to. You know, just lost a lot of my strength in my upper body. So I have mm-hmm. to, you know, and, and I'm constantly kind of thinking there's gotta be a way that I can, you know, transfer to something into it and then transfer to that and then get into my chair, yeah. that kind of thing. But no, anyway, and yeah. that's the beauty. And if you know, follow me on Instagram at Robert Rohan, uh, you can see that my bike is attachable to my chair. Yeah. So I don't have to get out of my wheelchair. Yeah. I just bring it up and I clamp it to my wheelchair and I pop it up so the front casters are up. And because it's electric, it's I can get up hills and um, have control of how much effort I need and or assistance I need in uh, wherever I'm going. See, that's what I was thinking of maybe retrofitting my hand cycle. But then I, I've started to see things like you've got. And I'm thinking maybe that's the alternative that will, you know, serve the purpose that I'm looking for to get out, ride. You have that mm-hmm. assist for the hills and things, but I can still get the exercise because you can still yeah. crank yours, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it gives me, even though it's electric and people might not see it the same, but I get a heck of a workout, yeah. especially when I turn it up to the full assist. Because when I'm at full assist, I am at full max of trying to uh, pull over the crank system as fast yeah. as I can. Yeah. And I watch my speedometer and I'm like, Hit that 20, stay at 20, stay at 20. And I'm in the river wash in the Santa Ana wash bike trail and it's flat and you go and, you know, so I don't have to worry about cars and I'm just like cranking as hard as I can. And by the time I come out of it and, you know, cycle the rest of the way home, I'm like, oh man. Get this. I see guys 
in my neighborhood, not well, in Moreland Redlands, but that that are in a lay down hand cycle out on the street. And I'm like, you are crazy. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. That's why I bought an orange. I got an orange bike, an orange helmet. <laughs> orange flag. Uh, orange. People don't pay attention no, you know, out there no. to cyclists. And um, even before my my accident, accident, I was hit by a car a couple times or scraped, you know, got slide swiped. Yeah, or, some close calls yeah, on close the calls, bike. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah so you, it, you know, the I, other thing, too, you, you're talking about all of this. This is something we've discussed a few times here, and maybe you guys have too. You know, I, you know, we get guys like you on and, and and women that have successfully kind of navigated that change in their life, and they're they're thriving and they're doing great. But I I wonder about, and maybe you can speak to this because of the nature of what you do. You know, I I wonder about the folks we don't know about who are isolated and who who, who didn't. Because I, I say this all the time, you know, to guys like you and and, and Sean and Tom and anybody that I, I I have on is that I didn't go through that. You know, I was a kid. I was a year old. I know nothing different. So I didn't have to go through that mental part, right. which I believe is the hardest part, you know. And, you know, so there are people I'm sure that are struggling with that part of it and who may not have come through it and are isolated somewhere. And, you know, I. You have any ideas about thoughts uh, about how to address that? That's why we do live to roll. Yeah, you know, you know, I'm I have a I I guess sometimes a black heart to it as well in the sense of you know there's only one person that's going to make the change and that's you. And uh, you know, I'll 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 give you directions and I'll even sometimes go with you, but eventually at the end of the day, I'm going to let go of your hand. Yeah. And you're going to have to discover it because I had nobody, you know, uh, holding my hand and telling me how the ropes, you know, showing me the ropes. And that's why I do what I do today and do a lot of the mentoring over the years is because I was in the hospital room. A friend of mine had one person come in and he was tall and he was a paraplegic uh, L1 and he had, a, you know, everything but his legs. But, you know, he was he did wheelchair racing and I'm like, well, that's great. But here I am a quadriplegic with limited use of my upper body. You know, what do I do? And I got home and it was like, I remember when they, my dad put me in the car to go home from the rehab. I cried my eyes out and he was like, what are you crying for? And I'm like, well, now I'm on my own. You know, I had, you know, great support from my parents and my dad helped me along the way, but you know, really you, you, I just had to, uh, um, I had to figure it out on my own. And yeah, there's a lot of people isolated and we get on that show to show people like, listen, yeah, it is possible. You know, anything is possible if you put your mind to it. You know, if money is an issue, there are grants. You've got to, you said yourself, I got my hand cycle through a grant. Um, there's Kelly Brush Foundation. There's High Fives uh, uh foundation there's um uh i'm forgetting the one in san diego it's the most um darn it that's right you know while you're thinking about that let me let me tell you do me a favor and shoot me an email with all of those foundations because i'd love to put those on our resource page yeah absolutely okay absolutely yeah you know and a lot of them happen to be you know for people with they'll give money 
but it helps with if you were an athlete before your accident. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they will still, you know, they'll still donate something to it. So you might have to get really creative and search for those different grants that will eventually pay for the thing. Yeah. If if money is an issue, but there's always a will and there's a way. Yeah. And some people have a harder. I yeah. I get that. And yeah. you know, at the end of the day, when you're on Medi Medi, and you don't have nursing coming in like you should. You don't have everything at your fingertips. It's hard. You know, I, I, I got lucky meeting the person I did, my amazing wife. I, I know I would be a miserable gentleman today if I didn't meet her probably, <laughs> you know, she's everything and she gives me the support and she rolls her eyes at me a lot, but you know, without her support, I, you know, it helps, you know, it helps on those early mornings of, like coming up on Sunday, we're doing a half marathon in our hand cycle out at uh, Huntington Beach. You know, she's the one that has to wake up at 4 a.m. and get my ass, you know, dressed and in my chair uh, to make it go fast. So without her, you know, it, it I couldn't do most of the things that I love to do. So I know some people don't get that. and Some people have to wait until 8 o'clock so they can't sign up for a marathon like that. But, you know. There are other ways to pick the hobbies that you can do or pick the find something that you love, you know, and it doesn't always have to be athletics. Right, um, right. It can be finding a game or going to, a, you know, a church. And uh, my uh, she's she was a roommate. We were roommates for like six or seven years. And she just recently retired. And. She goes to uh, Jewish temples. She's not Jewish. She's um, her church is an Asian uh, church, and she plays manjon every day. She loves it, you know. Yeah. So I mean, there's other hobbies out there that, you know, if you're not working, you can go out there and find something that can become passionate for you. Well, you know, like yourself in your story, you know, you went to to rehab, and it was you that that kind of stretched what your possibilities were even over the professionals that you were working with. Who just wanted to kind of take yeah. that, that path of least resistance, I think, you know, yeah. so, and you can do that yourself. Advocacy is a big part of everything we have to do for ourselves, yeah. you know, especially Speak in this arena. Yeah. Yep. Speaking up for yourself. You know, and I, I, sometimes I think I, I under, uh, estimate you know what i've what i've accomplished even though i didn't go through that part because i still had to still had to do the work you know i still had to you know when i when i got to be 16 17 years old you know I, there's a lot of jobs that were not available to me of course because of yeah. my limitations so i had to figure out what i could do you know and had to go about that so you know it's, i, I could have given up at that point you know but yeah so i i think you're right and i think that's why i do this show too you know, is to, to have people on like yourself who can show those others that, you know, maybe you're struggling, maybe they've just been injured or maybe they've been injured for a while and they just can't, they haven't made that transition to where they mm-hmm. feel like they're th- fully thriving again. Yeah, no, I mean, we all have to work together. It was, yeah. I wouldn't be riding my hand bike if it wasn't for my friend, Paul. You know, here, here's a guy I met, he lives in Canada. Um, and he has this hand bike and, you know, he's like, look, I'm like, wait, what? You know, I know a lot of equipment out there, but wait, 
I can do that. Hello, yeah. come on. And you know, so I'm like, I gotta get one of those. And I started the process. Like, this is ridiculous. I wanna, I wanna ride like he is. And here I am. I know a lot of people, and I know a lot of equipment out there. But I didn't know that was out there. So we all still learn from each other. Yeah. No matter how long or a, a professional you are at um, helping out others, you know, we all learn from each other. This may be a crazy statement, but it's a great time to be disabled. <laughs> you know, yeah. there's so much technology and it's growing all the time that have you seen that bowhead corporation oh it's amazing oh, god I, i'm almost afraid to see what one of those would cost but yeah no kidding right no i know you can uh there's electric mountain bikes out there now i mean it's like my wife goes mm -mm, i don't i don't try to find grants if you can <laughs> but because my brother's a big you know mountain bike advocate you know going all the time and uh, it would be nice to go with them on a couple rides, but right. I can, we found places that, and maybe eventually there'll be, I can go rent one and then figure, you know, go with them on an easy ride. I'm yeah, nothing that he probably does, but you know, there, there are better ways out there. And now with like attachable units onto the wheelchairs with these uh, scooter looking types that mm -hmm. are small, compact that you can, take on and off yourself. And Have you seen the device where you stay in your chair and you, you roll up onto a device that's got the tracks like a, like a, like a, you know, a big bulldozer or, you know, they're rubber tracks, but you know, it's about the size of your wheelchair underneath it. And it's got these tracks and there's an organization. Oh, yeah. The, yeah. And then you can track, get on, right? Yeah. Um, uh, so you can get out on the beach and yeah, there's an organization yeah. up in, uh, on the central coast that does like tours and they go, yeah. they're looking for yeah. new places to go in the mountains and all of that stuff on these things. Yeah. Track about, I think it's called track about. Yeah. That yeah I right. think so. And, uh, uh, like I just eventually like, I, you know, pushing my chair for almost 35 years, you know, there are some places nowadays to that if we're going to like, let's say a football game and to push around all day to get to your seat and then get yeah. back to your car, it's like, it's not the easiest thing like it used to be. So I got a scooter attachment where I put a bar underneath my chair that there's a bracket. And then I attach the scooter in front and it pops me up a little bit. And then I just push down. Oh, for so much like your bike, it but it's a scooter version of it. Yeah. And so I push down uh. for it to go and pull up on the handles to stop. Yeah. So like yeah. now... My parents just recently moved uh, near me in a assisted living center. So I'll go over there and ask them what they need. And, they're, you know, luckily there's a target not near uh, that's nearby. And so I get on my scooter and instead of getting back in my van, driving, you know, a quarter of a mile, get out of my car, get back in my car, go back to the place, get out of my car. It saves all that time. And I just zip on over there and zip on back. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, yeah. this, I just, I'm just glancing at the clock, man. I, I, we went on for a long time and the last half hour just went poof. But yeah. uh, I appreciate you taking the time to coming on with us. Like I say, I, I want to have Tom too, because we had Sean have you all from live to roll. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, you know, I don't know if I might take another half hour, but how did you guys come together and, and, and start that? live to roll yeah that's a great question um 
So it started with Sean in the sense that he had Live to Roll as a place on YouTube where you can go see someone at his with his disability transfer in and out of the car, in and out of the bed. Uh, how does he pick up things off the floor, getting to a pool, uh, little things like that, you know, showering, changing his catheter, um, you know, you name it, he had it out there. And eventually, you know, he was running out of ideas and videos and it, it, it just so happened to be, I think it was February of 2020. And we were at the uh, Los Angeles Ability set, uh, Expo. Expo. Okay. Yeah. And Friday night, he had a booth there because he was selling some merchandise of Live to Roll and to bring in a little bit of extra income. And we go out Friday night and we're sitting there at the bar and he, his good friend um, who I've known since his accident, I, I met Sean when he first got hurt. I went to his hospital room. I figured there was probably a yeah, connection yeah, like so, that. Yeah. Yeah, so I, yeah. So I met him actually when he uh, first got hurt and he wasn't even out of the hospital, but we had this pre-engagement or a, an engagement or pre-wedding for a lot of people we can't invite to our wedding uh, party. And I told my, my friend, Gary, who's a physical therapy there, like, hey, you should come and bring Sean. You know, he's like, yeah, that's a great idea. So we bring Sean and his mom and his friend, Jamie, who at the time I think was his girlfriend or just, or they had stopped dating, but bring him to my house for this party. And he's still in his neck collar and everything. And so I met his friend, Jamie. And so I've known her over the years through uh, going to rugby tournaments and, and seeing him and her there. She just was always supportive of him and they're good friends today. But Jamie comes up to us in at the bar and says, you need to help Sean out. You need some ideas for a show. I'm like, you know, I think we just talked a little bit about doing something with the live. I kind of didn't, you know, don't remember much of the conversation. I just remember that we were talking about it. Yeah. And the next thing I know, COVID hits and I get a phone call from Sean going, Hey, do you have time to be one of my co-hosts on, on uh, this journey that I'm going to start with a live broadcast. Sure. And, you know, he told me Tom was involved and, um, and I guess Tom was there at, at the, um, at the uh, bar that night, but, you know, I, I just, I, it just briefly remembered just more about Jamie telling me that he needs ideas of yeah. changing his channel up. And next thing you know, we were doing a live uh, episode once a week and then it w moved into a there we had a women's episode uh every other thursday uh on the first and third thursday of uh, of the month so we're doing the every tuesday a women's and then the old guys yeah and then all of a sudden i thought of like here we are talking a lot but you know sean is not as injured as i am long as i am and I know a lot more people injured a lot longer than I am and our bot and really it was becoming, I thought of it because my body was starting to change. It's yeah. It's not, not stagnant. Yeah. And I'm going to the doctors a little bit more often. Uh, so I thought like, maybe we need to do something aging with a disability. And we really try to focus around that and have guests on 
who have been in the chair for a long time. And so that's how that started. And I said, well, on the second and fourth Thursday, maybe we can do that. And he's like, run with it. And that's how the rolling over the hills uh, started. And then just recently, we just added a new one called uh, Rolling with the Golden Oldies. Uh, there are four women who have all been hurt over 30 plus years. And uh, now they're going to start a show starting, I believe, next this week. I think it's this week. Yeah. yeah. The first month of February, the first Thursday of February. Got a media empire going there. Yeah. And then Tom, he started uh, doing one on him on his own on Wednesday nights, uh, gaming with uh, Tom or T Fizzle, I guess is his <laughs> gaming handle. And uh, so he's doing that every Wednesday night and shows the joystick and how he plays with the limited grips, uh, his hand grip. And so, yeah, it just keeps growing. And eventually we'll want to get a kid's a version of it. Yeah. Awesome. Going to run out of days of the week. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm going to run out of time. Yeah. Well, awesome. Awesome. Great talking to you. Thank you for coming on Walk yes, and Roll Live you, and buddy. sharing your life and your stories, your ups, your downs, all of that good stuff. Appreciate it, Ron. Thank you. I have my pleasure to be here. And, um, you know, like I, you know, I have this saying, you know, if it reaches one person, I did my job. And we're going to end on that note. There we go. <laughs> like Tom has been a teacher for over 40 years. One day, I think one of the students had asked the question and he didn't remember the answer. And I also noticed that he was letting his class out earlier than they were supposed to let out. I was really starting to worry. Levi and I talked about how it would change our lives, but he was there beside me. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash our stories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. Wow, that went by so quick. I just uh, got into a conversation and I was just kind of listening to everything you had to say and share. Great information. So, Bobby, thank you for coming on. Bobby Rohan with Live to Roll and so much more, as we learned there. But uh, one of the longer interviews we've done because it just, and I looked up and all this time had gone by. So great, great. Thank you for all that information. Um, and uh, he's going to send me uh, some of the grant granters that he was talking about. So we'll put them on our website down the resources page. So maybe that can help you get some devices to get out there in the sunshine on your own. Maybe ride a bike or whatever you like to do. All right. So we'll do that. Um, and if there's anything that you... Um, would like to hear on the show, please drop us a line. You can go on the website at walkandrolllive.com. We've got a page where you can, what do they call contact information, where you can let us know and tell us, you know, what you'd like to hear about. If there's a subject you'd like to hear about, if you think you know somebody that uh, would like to come on, if you'd like to come on and share your story, we'd love to talk to you. I want to thank Tammy. Uh, she gave me a couple of suggestions uh, for somebody that could be on the show. Also, uh, Dan and Suzette uh, from Aguiar Professional Training. They uh, invited on our behalf a couple of folks to, to come on and talk with us. So hopefully they will uh, accept that invitation and come and uh, talk to us about what's going on in their lives. And next week coming up, we have Sean. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna say this right. Uh, Sean 
Propakek? Propak? I'm sorry, Sean. Uh, she is our CEO at Athesis, another organization that I volunteer for. I'm on the board there as well. But there's some uh, legislation uh, coming up in a rate study to increase the funding uh, for our organization and the work that we do. And we'll talk all about that uh, coming up next week here on Walk In Roll Live. I am Doug Vincent for Eric Aguilar. Thank you for listening. And thank you to the Aguilar Professional Training for all that they do to make it possible. Have a great week. Walk and Roll Live is heard around the world at walkandrolllive.com, Podbean, and Spotify. Like us at facebook.com slash walkandrolllive. You can email us at warlive at walkandrolllive.com with comments, observations, or whatever's on your mind. Whatever's on your mind. Have a topic you'd like to hear or a guest you think would be great for the show? Let us know. Look for new episodes every Tuesday afternoon. Thanks for listening.